Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast, a show that helps you rewire your brain to survive and thrive. Join your host, Ozzy Martinez Jr., a Marine, a combat disabled vet, husband, and father, as he shares his firsthand knowledge and experience of hitting rock bottom, almost ending it all, and then turning it around. Dive into the rewired minds of thriving survivors. This show is an in-depth look at post-traumatic survival. And now, Ozzy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you so much for joining me for my podcast. I'm super excited. I'm super nervous all the time. But here we go. So on this episode today, I'm super excited to have my brother Jody Hillbilly. We're going to call you. What, what do you want me to call you? Jody Hillbilly. What, what, what are you calling you? Thompson? I don't know. Either one's fine. All right, Either cool. <laughs> I mean, are we going here like black off style where I got to go incognito with you or so? But no, man, Jody, uh, I love this guy. So Jody and I have a lot similar stories. We're not uh, Purple Heart recipients, but yet we are hardened combat veterans. Um, we've seen our brothers go down. We've been there and uh, we've been through a lot and it's good to have now finally somebody that I served with having their perspective on on the show. I do have other individuals I served with that I will be interviewing um, and we're working on those details soon. So but uh, I'm going to give you a little brief description here of Jody. Uh, Jody joined uh, Hillbilly joined in 2002 right after 9-11. So like I said, similar stories, just like me. And uh, he did two tours. He did the initial invasion in 03. And then uh, he did the, the uh, Fallujah trip with me in uh, 2004 from February to October. So Jody came out of the Marine Corps in 2006. And uh, believe it or not, actually, while he was in, he had uh, PTSD issues and got diagnosed with it halfway through um, our deployment in 2004. Um, uh, honestly, I didn't even know about that, you know. And you just sent me this bio now. And, you know, kind of like I was, whoa, you know, blown away because... I remember seeing you, um, you know, the the guys that we got that were part of the invasion in Alpha Company and then came with us in Fallujah were, they were just, there was so much anger. Different. Yeah, there was so much anger in them because it goes on what I spoke about in my first episode, which is that unsuppressed um, trauma or whatnot. And you guys came back and what was your turnaround point? What was your turnaround time? Uh, about six months. Was it six months? Than, yeah, it was, it was less than, than that. that. You, it was less than that because I remember well, we got back in uh, we got back in August, uh, went to Cax and then left again in February. So yeah, so you got back in August and we were waiting for you guys already in the company. We had graduated schools and then when you guys come back, we already started doing workups and then we left immediately. So there was no turnaround. There was no real time for you guys to release uh, anything of what you guys had just seen. And, uh, I mean, I don't need to go over my notes. I know I wasn't in 2003, but due to the fact that I was in alpha company, I know exactly what happened to you guys in 2003. Um, because we ended up doing something I realized, uh, and you guys did it to, to us. And then I did it to the guys that I deployed with in 2005. Um, you carry what you have with you. And like I said, it's unsuppressed. You don't take it home. You're not home most of the time. Like you said, you came home, you went on leave but then we did CACs we were constantly doing workups um being away from home and we have nobody else to talk to so we prepare our 
next Marines with the previous stories, right? I mean, I remember right. you guys giving us stories all the time. So, um, in 03, you guys lost, uh, Alpha Company lost three individuals in total. Yep. And yep. Uh, it was uh, White, Avilas, and Medellin. Yep. And then in 2005, we lost five. So, yep. I'm sorry, 2004, we lost five. So, Explain this part to me here in, in your notes where it says here, you know, you got diagnosed with PTSD halfway through our deployment. I didn't even know that. You know, obviously that's something private, but, uh, you know, what, what, what is it that happened, brother? Yeah, you know, I can't put my finger on one specific uh, incident. <clears throat> I just, what got me on your initial, your episode one where you're talking about compression and uh, everything in a sea bag, it's, it's basically the way it was. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time training to get to where we are. We go over and we do things. We come home and we're supposed to turn it off, you know, on a 22-hour flight home. It's like a light switch. Um, came home and, uh, you know, that first deployment, it was a lot like a video game. Uh, everything was fun and games. We're up on top of the track, just raising all kinds of hell, doing whatever. Uh, and then uh, White White died. Uh, Lance Corporal White died. He uh, drowned in the uh, – the river there so at that point everything kind of changed it became um, real yeah it wasn't a video game anymore right so I, to like speaking how you're saying it was a video game for you i remember when we all right so we landed in kuwait in 04 drove up in the humvees that huge convoy um i'm, mm -hmm. just, I'm trying to find the details because i believe we like made a record or something it was like one of the biggest convoys I think it was no, 250 vehicles. More than that. Mistake. Well, we had in total, yeah. I think it was a thousand or something like that vehicles okay. that drove up to Fallujah. The whole first Marine division ended up driving vehicles up it is, and the, our, our cut was just like that. So I ended up when we landed, when we finally drove into camp Fallujah to me, it felt like a video game as well. It felt fake. I, right. I thought I was in a Hollywood studio. I thought they flew us around in a C-130 or C-17, whatever they had us in, flew us around for a bit, landed back in, and we're in California in a Hollywood studio. But then all of a sudden, for me, it became real within 10 minutes of getting there. For you, it took, I mean, how long did it take for White to pass? Um, That was March. So we stepped off March, I want to say 16th is when we crossed the line. And uh, White died on the 28th of March. Of so it took, a, it took a couple days. For me, yeah. it was minutes. It was minutes because I remember we had been on this on this uh, convoy up from Kuwait to Fallujah, four, 400 and something miles. It took us three days, I believe. Right. And then when we finally get there, no no problems the whole way there. When we finally get there, everybody's like, all right, go to the bathroom. Go. Everybody's in porta potties and we started getting mortared. <laughs> the, oh yeah the camp fallujah yeah camp fallujah we yep. literally within yep. five ten minutes of getting there we started getting mortared that was the day they hit the chow hall the parking lot by the chow hall. first day there and i'm yep. like holy shit everything these guys had just been telling us about i don't know it wasn't it didn't even come out till i was like it was real and then because we started yeah. firing back now well when i say we i'm talking about artillery that's not part of us but part of the united states marine corps you know right. not part of our unit we started our right. artillery started firing back and they were like what maybe uh 200 feet away 300 feet away from where we were it felt yeah, like they were rocking boom <laughs> boom and i'm like okay this is not hollywood anymore this is real so right there your your life starts changing immediately immediately you start realizing it's real and then for you it took a week to lose 
one of the guys you served with. For us, it was uh, from April. I mean, for my deployment was February to April. So it took a while for us to really get hit, you know. But, right. you know, talk about that. Talk about, talk about, explain to me that moment where you realized it wasn't a video game anymore. Um, well, one thing that we dealt with in 03 that I don't think anybody that you guys saw in 04, uh, <clears throat> we had mechanized assaults. So there were tanks. Correct. You were you were fighting against a legitimate military. Yeah, man. So I I would pop up out of the back of my track and you would see well I don't remember what they were T72s or whatever sitting there firing main tank rounds. And that to me it was surreal. But it was also I don't know. That that's the part I thought felt like a video game. You know what I mean? Like what you do as a kid, what you play as a kid and then all of a sudden it's right here, but you know, you're not seeing anybody on your side taking any real damage at that time. So, you know, everybody's up on top, screaming, hollering, hooting, hollering, shooting back, whatever. Uh, we got the sandstorm come through and uh, that's, <clears throat> that's when, uh, that's when white ended up dying during the sandstorm uh, that Humvee rolled down into the, into the water and he couldn't get out. Uh, that was the first time that any of us really felt a loss. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, was it April 7th of 04 or of 03, excuse me. That's when the uh, artillery round, mortar round, whatever it was, hit our one of our tracks, and that killed uh, Medellin and Aviles. And uh, personally, that was a turning point in my life. Uh, the guy I was before that, I'll never be again. And it took me a long time to come to terms with that. Um, when you say a long time, I, you mean years, months? It took a long time, dude. Like, because um, remember, I'm as, I'm asking. Of, the reason I'm asking a long time is because I want to know if it took months. That means nah. no, you weren't healed. What I'm nah, getting at is that you weren't healed when we left in February of '04. No, not at all. Not so at all. I was still numb. Still, you were numb. still numb. And then um, comes comes February of '04. More of you get stripped away. Yeah. So there's a story that's not very proud, but <clears throat> I think it's you know part part of it if we're mm -hmm. really going to be honest about uh about what this is and, and the recovery process uh we came home on leave for uh christmas in 2003 and uh me and my wife decided that we were gonna we we're gonna go party at the bars with some friends uh new year's eve uh i ended up getting a gallon of bacardi and you know we were going to meet up with some people it ended up we didn't meet up with anybody um I pretty much drank it all myself. And by the end of the night, I was standing in the middle of the road, um, kind of hoping that a car would hit me, to be honest with you. Um, she was pregnant with my youngest son at the time. Um, he was born in July, so that was December. So I guess, what, two, three months pregnant at the time. And, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I never felt those feelings until I kind of pushed myself beyond the limit with the alcohol. And I knew then that things weren't right. Uh -huh. But at the, at the same time, you know, you had to, uh, you had to realize that, same. that you were there. I mean, you, you had a pregnant wife. <clears throat> right. And, and all that stuff. So at no point, you know, so here's, here's where well, my whole thing was, I wanted to be, I wanted to still be the Marine. I wanted to still be the one in the camis running into battle. So you were unhappy that you were home. I didn't want to be home. And somewhere in the back of my, I don't know, I was torn. I, I halfway wanted to be home 
and I halfway wanted to be gone. And I couldn't, could not determine which was which. Uh, I remember being upset that we were getting ready to leave again because I had it in my head that I was going to die that time and that I was leaving my kids. But the other half of me is like, if my boys are going, I need to go with them. So yeah. it was very, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Taboo. Um, I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even know if taboo is the word. It's very oxy. It, it, it doesn't make sense. It contradicts, it contradicts itself. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. So then, yeah. So then we left again in February and, uh, like you were saying, yeah, we, we did left. pick up a lot of guys that hadn't deployed, uh, not just Lance corporals. I mean, we had staff sergeants, yeah, uh, I remember lieutenants, whatever our, my, you know, my vehicle commander, uh, Kulak, our section chief. I mean, he, he hadn't deployed with it. So there was a lot of things that we were doing and that we were saying that he didn't, he didn't understand, you know, uh, my crew chief Albright, we were, there was just a language that we spoke and there was a mentality that we had that he just, he didn't catch it at first. He, you know, he kept saying, Oh, you're crazy as hell. And it was sometime around when my wife was getting ready to have give birth to my youngest son. And, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the trigger was, but there was something. And, uh, I ended up having, I went to the uh, medical to get evaluated. And that's when, They're like, oh, you have severe PTSD and depression, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. Let me start you on these pills, which was kind of strange because here I am in the middle of the desert. You know, we still have missions, things to do. And uh, they're kind of halfway telling you you're broken and you shouldn't do it, but you still need to do it. And, you know, it's just a weird time. And this is while we're deployed? No, this is. Yeah, that was that was probably. Probably July of 04. It was right before. Um, you remember when uh, Marifian and them got hit outside the South Gate? Yeah. They rolled over that that mine. It's right around that same time. So what, it, what, what was it, though, that, I mean, what made you go get help? Was it the same thing that you just felt like wanted to be better, to be get, get out there, or? I mean, what was it? What was it that I wish I could remember? To be honest with you, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, you don't remember a lot of things, right? Which is something uh, I wanted to talk about. Eventually, we we forgot a lot of things yeah. for some reason. Um, some things do come back eventually, here and there, but a lot of the stuff that happens is a blur to me. Um, I, I, I'd love, I'd love to really find out how our brain works like that, like a filing cabinet that you could just lock it away and stuff. So, um. You know, our deployment in 2004 was a tough one. On top of the three that you already had lost uh, in 03, we lost five more. And yeah. I could speak definitely for you and me on the relationship we had with these individuals that, that yeah. we lost. Um, I've already mentioned it on my previous episodes. We, we deployed as a company, and I had never before seen a company work so united like our company did. And normally you work as a platoon in sections, and everybody's in their own little loyalty groupie. But everybody knew each other here, and we always worked with each other. And, um, I mean, to me, uh, September 12th is a tough day. Uh, we lost yep. a, a leader that you and I both, I know, looked up to, Lieutenant Weatherby. And, um, you know, I mean, you talk about a, a, a moment where you say that, when you said earlier that it changed the person you were, the man you were, that to me right there, it was, um, you know, he... 
I was a little older than a normal Lance Corporal. I think I was 22 or 23 at the time. And he wasn't that far off, I think, in, in the same age group. I'm not sure. Right. Um, from us. And we all got along. He was a prior enlisted. So he loved his his uh, his troops. He loved us. And uh, he I had the biggest DVD collection out there in the platoon. And he was my best blockbuster customer. He would come in to my room <laughs> after patrols when nobody was around because we can't talk to our enlisted and stuff like that. And he would knock on my door and it's like, right. hey, Martinez, it's me, Weatherby. <laughs> it's me, Cliffhanger. And I'm like, all right, what's up, sir? Yeah. He's like, what movies do you got? Is there anything I can watch? And uh, so I'd give him stuff. And I remember uh, I always joked that he died um, and he had one of my movies, you know. And it was a comedy, you know, just uh, I, I, I just laughed. It was, uh, <laughs> I think, I think it was Boogie Nights or something like that. I don't remember something like that. You know, that it was like, I was like, damn it, man. He, he we just knew who he was. And that to me, that yeah. per, that point right there changed who I was, especially the point where, um, you know, I, I, I did the following day, uh, help dismantle some of the vehicles, some of the parts I believe that were in there. There was blood all over the place. I got real close in that vehicle. And then uh, I was a Humvee. And then right after that, that's that next day, we lost three more. Um, yep. You know, we came back. I deployed again. You didn't. Uh, but we both got out in 2006. And, um, you know, we, we ended up moving back to the places that we came from. I, I, yep. I, I moved to Miami. You moved back to Kentucky. And, uh, you know, what, 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 what did you do? What, what is it that... Did you go to the VA? What were you doing with yourself? Um, you know, no. Well, were you so, trying to live that opposite life that I was trying to do, where the Marine Corps was behind you? Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, on your one of your previous shows, you were talking about you basically had the Marine Corps in a sea bag, yeah. and that's 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 pretty much what I did. Uh, we I tried to find a job in Tennessee because <clears throat> that's where I'm originally from, and. Uh, that wasn't working. And I had left a job in Louisville. So I was working at a grocery distribution warehouse in Louisville uh, before I enlisted. And instead of just outright quitting, I took a military leave of absence when I went to boot camp. So I had that in my back pocket. And uh, when I couldn't find anything else, I, I just went back, went back and uh, ended that absence, fell back in seniority wise to where I would have been anyways. And and really just tried to hide it. Um, did a terrible job at hiding it. But, you know, it's it's what it was. There was there was things going on, things happening that tried to ignore, try to sleep through, try to work through. And when I mean work through, I mean just put in 16, 20 hours a day at work. Not necessarily trying to work through it to better yourself. But, uh, you know, I was working third shift uh, in the garage, working on trucks and trailers and uh, forklifts. And uh, I would go in at 10 and I'd get off at 7.38. Well, I would usually work at least four hours over. I'd come home and just sleep. I wouldn't see anybody. I wouldn't, I would do nothing. And on my off days, I would get off on Sunday morning at like 7.30 and I would not wake up until Tuesday about five, you know? So, and that's when I had to be back at work was Tuesday at like 10 o'clock. So that, that was my life for a long time, man long time just trying to just trying to i guess trying to live you know part of me says well i'm trying to support my family making all this extra money this overtime but really dude it was a 
I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to be at home. I didn't want to listen to the kids. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be around anything. And yeah. You know, all that, it'll catch up with you. Yes, it does. And then, uh, it says here in your notes that you sent me, you know, um, and some of these notes are eye opening to me because these are things we've never talked about, you know, like, and we're friends on social media and I'm friends with a lot of people that I served with. I, I believe that I have a good judgment of people when I see sometimes some of the posts that some of these people make and I could just tell the anger that they have inside them. Um, you know, it says here that, you know, you started your group therapy at the VA. Um, you know, how did that uh, did that you feel that help for you or so that was another for me for me i think bag yeah i think for me it sucked it was like i i was in that same stage where you're at where i didn't feel like being around anybody or anything because i didn't even want to face i guess my problems or whatever because i had bagged them up and now i'm listening to some other guy's stuff and i'm like i don't want this so there was a group i don't know i think there was six or eight of us uh and that whole thing was kind of screwy anyways uh because most of those guys didn't work and if they did you know they most of them didn't so i was working like i said before third shift i was getting off at like eight in the morning and i'd have to be back up at one to go to this therapy so that was already kind of screwing me uh sleep wise whatever so i started doing this and uh you know I know you know me and there's, you know, people that know me see me as, uh, as a strong dude, um, kind of like a bear, but you know, there's a, there's a part of me that's not a bear at all, you know? And, uh, I was going in here and I was listening to their stories, man. And it was bringing me down lower than I was when I walked in the door. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I kept on with it trying to, you know, because they were they kept talking about ebbs and flows. You'll be good for a while and then you'll crash. You'll be good for a while. so I was trying to muscle through it. And it got to where I was just I had to evaluate, you know, what what am I doing? Am I here to better myself or to better them? And uh, you know, working the schedule I was working, um working the schedule I was working, um uh, I couldn't always make it you know, I'd be late or whatever. So I would miss a, I would miss a session. And the next week, you know, the, the lady, the counselor or whatever was like, you know, it's important that you're here. Cause these guys, they don't open up if you're not here. And then it was like, it was my responsibility. Like I was the leader of the pack and that, that just really kind of, kind of screwed me up a little bit more. And then, you know, I don't know, they, they started wanting to do this exposure therapy oh, and prolonged uh, exposure. I checked out. Yep, I checked out yeah. at that point. I got out of there. So did I. I, I think I did one <laughs> session, and then she kept on asking, like, and I, I, I think I answered a couple times, and then I was just like, really, something in me was like, wait a second, dude, why are you? Why are we going back here? Why are we going back yep. here? And I like snapped out of it. And I was like, why am I doing this? I asked her, why am I doing this? I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want to do this shit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for people that don't know, prolonged exposure is. I'm not gonna say it's hypnosis. But it's a form of calming an individual and taking yep. them back to the to that event of trauma. Um, so to kind of kind of numb you, yeah, to, to 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 relive it, I guess, over and over to the point where you realize it's nothing or something like that, numb you of sort. Yeah. Um, so you know, at what point, honestly, Jody, did you? I mean, it's it's it's, it's the notes here, um, little bullet point, and I didn't know that, you know, um, 
glad that you're sharing it with me. But, you know, it says here that possibly in 07 or 08, you thought about ending it all. So um, what, where, how did you get to the point where it was the bottom, where you felt you were at the bottom? You know, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it was a combination of um, too much work, not enough sleep, not taking care of myself, not addressing the issues. Um, and throughout all this, you have a family of how many kids? I had three at that, or three. two kids at that time. Two kids at the time. So it's, not, yeah, and you I know, don't, I, I don't want people to think, to pay bills. yeah, you know, I, I don't want people to think that this is just you by yourself and stuff like oh, that. No, you were, you're yeah, trying to be the head so, of the household too, you know, I mean, or you share it with, with your wife. So, I mean, but you're trying, right. you're trying to be a provider. So I remember uh, I woke up one day, I don't know, about two o'clock and I had the plan. It was, I was gonna, I was gonna do it. And, uh, I told my wife to get the kids out of the house, go to the mall or something. And she knew something wasn't adding up and uh, refused to leave. And basically we sat and we had a talk and, you know, I think that's really when I started getting into the therapy sessions was after, after, after that point. Um, but that was, that's where I was at. And, you know, like you said before, you got to hit the bottom. I've heard you, you know, talk about your story, how you, you know, you didn't want to do it. And that, that's really where I was at. I didn't want to. And honestly, the kids are probably the only thing I didn't want them to grow up with that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, my wife, I don't, a lot of people don't have the support system that I've got, you yeah, know, she's been with me through thick and thin. Um, she's been through the worst of it. And now, you know, I'm, I don't want to say that anything is cured. It's just learning to deal with it, learning to live with it a little better. Um, but she's been there and, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that because there's no telling where I would be at at this point to one four, you know, because <clears throat> like, the... like I think you said in some of your earlier episodes, you know, I withdrew from everybody. I withdrew from all my friends. Uh, Cause you know, you know how it is like the brotherhood, you know, me and me and Juan, you know, Ramirez, are like super tight. You say whatever, do whatever. But my buddies back home from high school, it's totally different, man. Like it's it's totally different. I don't, I don't love them any less, but it's just that they don't understand you. They don't get you. They don't understand. Yeah, what you're I'm saying, lucky. What you're I'm lucky doing. to have one. I'm lucky, literally, right. Now, uh, you know, to have one that I've my, my best friend's been there for. The last 20, since I was 15, 23 years now we're going on. So, right. um, and I can be like that. We're like that with each other. I mean, we're, he helps me with my organization sometimes and people are like, oh, you guys are veterans. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, wait, I forget. He's not a veteran, but dude, he's just like right, one of right. us, but I'm lucky to have that yeah. where, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, where you don't have that. You can't have that dark humor with them. You can't joke right. around. I mean, I remember, well, I mean, we, I don't know about you, but to me, it feels like I'm constantly being judged. Yes. Whether that's true or not, yeah. I walk into a room and the first thing, first thing I'm thinking about is, you know, what do they, what do they think? What do they, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, dude. I, I mean, own, I stopped for a while wearing like Marine Corps shirts and stuff like that. And it kind of made no sense because I had a service dog with me, but right. that definitely doesn't help. When I go places with Duke, I get judged, I, and or at least I feel like I'm getting judged, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, that that doesn't help. But so I want to ask you something because you, you're talking about you went, you actually contemplated suicide, but yep. what is it that made you turn around? Because I'm looking here that 
and I'm not looking. I don't have to look at the rest of the the rest of it here. I know that you decided to go back to school. You got your yep. G, you got your education. Yep. Um, it says here like in, in eleven, you know, you you had some sort of an awakening. What is it that happened to you? Um, so I signed up. So after all that, that was you know that 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 episode. Um, <clears throat> what is it that made you realize just, that that opened it up for you as for you to to I guess to to to, to now thrive because I mean at one point you know so honestly I can't I can't point to a specific date but I remember at one point in time it hit my head that you know Weatherby namely uh, you know he was college college educated he was my platoon commander the first go round mm-hmm. so every morning. You know, he would come to my track. We'd fix a cup of coffee on a little squad stove, and we would sit there and bullshit. And, uh, you know, I just it just it got in my head like, all right, he's not here. How would he be living his life? Would he approve of this? You know, I think what I'm going to say is going to sound biased maybe, and it might be a little insensitive, but uh, let's just say we live to be 70 years old. It hit me that I was letting four years, 18 months, really, yeah. determine the rest of my life and, and and what I was going to be, who I was going to be, and how I was going to act for the rest of my life. I, I, you know, I was thinking about Alex and, and, and the things that we talked about and the things that he wanted to do with his future when he got out. And, you know, I look at my kids and all I could hope for is that they turn out half as much of a man as him. Mm-hmm. But with me going through my shit, if I didn't address it personally, there's no way I could ever imagine or dream of them coming out of this normal. You know, there's, there's too much history on, on people that, that, you know, parents take different ways out of life and what it does to the kids. So, you know, that kind of, I don't know, I sit there and, I don't know. I want to be an example to the boys. Uh, now my daughter too, you know, she came along the way and, and, uh, and this, was, this was after, this was after, you know, you had contemplated it, but this was after you started going to group therapy, then op- with an open mind. Yeah. I went to group therapy or you went to therapy mind. period. You went to therapy with an open mind and you started then yeah. realizing you weren't the only one you can't let. Well, I, I kind of, I, I killed that therapy real quick. Okay. Um, you know, I've did. <sighs> maybe four or five months. Okay. And, and that was, that was, that was it. I had to just figure it out. Um, so I was a mechanic in the garage and, uh, I remember, man, I was sitting there. So I guess this is a very important part of this. So part of that job, uh, we worked on the semi trailers, you know, the big 53 foot trailers. This is when your civilian job. Yes. My civilian okay. job. So we have, you know, spotters, these little trucks that come in and out, moving trailers in and out. And every single time, dude, they're back under a truck. It's just loud ass noise. And I, you know, it'd get me startled and jump and, you know, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah." I mean, it's crazy. It was 30, 30 times a day. And uh, I remember, dude, I was thinking to myself, man, I do not want to do this shit the rest of my life. And uh, I looked over at our lead mechanic, you know, he was like, 50 or 60 and i remember watching him get on a creeper uh under the truck trying to get up i was like this is not going to be me dude so it was one saturday night man it was like one o'clock in the morning i was screwing around on a computer and the university of phoenix uh ad popped up 
and I just threw my information in. They called me uh, that next day and kind of got that ball rolling. And honestly, man, I was doing it um, partly for the GI Bill, the uh, post 9-11 stipend, you know. Um, but, you know, the more I got into it, the more I was like, you know, this is going to be the key to me getting the hell out of what I'm doing and changing changing my life and being able to, to, to give my kids and my family a better life. Yeah, so you saw you were able to you were actually able to see some light in, in your yeah. darkness. So you were yep. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, that's what for me with that reunion that I ended up going to with Kulak, talking about names yep. reoccurring again. Um and you know, I went to that that reunion and that reunion sparked some light cuz uh, I have a picture that I use when I do some of my public speaking and I post this picture and it was a picture of my apartment. And I loved my apartment because it was dark always. It was uh, nice and like a cave dark. But yet I had my love me wall, you know, and it was the only place where I had lights. All these spotlights were aimed at this wall and it was all the, you know, plaques, awards, and then uh, the names of all the guys that passed. And it was like a memorial. And I had this flag that I had uh, signed by a bunch of guys in uh, second platoon. I believe you signed it. Believe a bunch of guys signed it in that 2004 uh, deployment. I know Weatherby signed it. He wrote, uh, "Can't get enough of this place." In quotation marks. Yeah. And, it, and uh, uh, you know, that's that's the only light I had was a past, and it was what you said in a way was kind of I resonated with it now, where you were like, "I'm not gonna let dictate eight months of my life dictate the rest of my life." Right. Um, you know, because, yeah, I would love to live to be 70, 80 years old, you know. Um, so it I I, I kind of relate exactly with what you're saying there. So then this GI Bill education kind of, you know, opened up a new door for you and you ended up crushing it. And, you know, you got yep. a you got a little bit of luck in 2011 and got into management. And yep. and then, you know, things started taking off of there. Uh, I remember you ended up coming down here. Cause you were uh, a logistics manager, and uh, yep. you know you came down here for a reun- uh, meeting, and then we ended up uh, reuniting and stuff like that. So what what is it then that started knocking these dominoes over? Like well, once you started, I guess I guess you graduated. What what was then that first big breakthrough? You got the light, which was college, and then what? You're in college, and now what? Because you know, let me tell you, college mentality. sucks. I'm in college now, and <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. I don't know what kind of light this is. That I mean, it was crazy that this was your light, you know. <laughs> well, it just it just came to the point where, um, you know, it was the mentality of the issue. Uh, like I said, do, do you want it to to define you uh, the rest of your life? I I really did a lot of thinking on this, and um, you know, it's it's more or less take the good from it, take what you learned, but all that bad shit, you got to let it go, you know? And and I'm not saying forget about our brothers. I'm not saying any of that, but, uh, you know, I, September is a, is a real shitty time. It is for me. And and let me tell you something, man, because you're doing something that I stopped doing right now. I just see it on your hand. And this advice was given to me by, uh, Dakota, Dakota Meyer. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, me and him haven't met in person yet, but he took care of me. He got me an SGB shot with his doctor. That's the leg gangline block shot that he had. About that right there? The bracelet, bro. So he gave me advice. So and he me- was like, he told me like, Ozzy, man, stop wearing your bracelet. He's like, every time you go unbuckle your kid out of the car seat, 
all you're doing is looking at the fucking dates on that bracelet and you're remembering those days. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm, I mean, the reality is I know their full names, first, last name. Some of them, if they had a middle name, um, Corporal JG, Mellow Out. It's like, I, I know everything about these guys. I'm not forgetting them. Why the, why right. do I got to continue remembering that day though? That day, that day is the worst day ever, man. Right. So it's I, funny that you bring that up because I believe you're the one that had these created. Yes, that's bro. It's crazy. Them. Yes, <clears throat> I saw where you post them. I don't know, like maybe years ago. It was years I don't ago. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and at the time, I was like, you know, that's awesome, but I don't want it. I never did go get any tattoos with names. Either on I them, haven't yet I thought about it. I'm going to too. I, I've done none of that. <clears throat> and you know, Facebook or whatever's got the memories. Yeah, you know, you can click on the on it and they'll show you five years ago today, whatever. Yeah. And it popped up and, and I was actually in a place where I was at peace with it, you okay. know? So, uh, I went ahead and ordered it and I ordered it with the intention of just putting it in the drawer and, uh, not going to wear it. And then, you know, I was like, well, I'll wear it for a week. And, uh, you know, if, 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 if it feels funny, I'll take it off. But I, it's been on for, months and months probably a year now so it's, you've come um, at but you've come you just said some words that maybe i haven't you know uh, you've come to peace with it you, got you actually you honestly feel like you, you have yeah you see i i i i don't um i don't know i have a thing with death i mean i, I it's uh, you had it in your notes too here for some reason i think us us individuals that suffer from btsd i guess it just follows us too that darkness and uh death comes around us a lot um yep. or or at least we we deal with death or we we process death a different process. You know I mean? I've had a lot of loss around me ever since I got out of the Marine Corps too. family, uh, friends, and then us in the Marine Corps, we've had a lot of losses guys that we've served so, with. One of the most important things that I've, that I've done, uh, in my life, to be honest with you is, <clears throat> you know, you kind of have to do, um, somewhat of an analysis on, on everything. So you gotta um, look in the mirror. Like I say, <laughs> it's not even just that. So like, okay. you know, Lance Corporal White, was there anything that I personally could have done to change that situation? It was not. You know, it it just happened. Um, Medellin and Aviles, there was absolutely nothing that I personally could have done to oh, change yeah. that situation. And, and and as I work down the list, you know, it's nothing, man. You know, it's not. Yeah, it's the not only the fault. only thing you could have literally done, and and I and I and, and let me tell you. I've sat down and done the same thing as you. Yeah. And it's crazy because the only answer, only answer that comes is that the only fix would have been for me to replace them that day. Right. That's it. And it wasn't in the car. And then, and, and then honestly, would that have been a great outcome in my eyes? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it's as it's horrible, but for some reason though, I don't know. Um, and it's crazy. You're right. I did create the bracelets. I remember the lady called me and she was like, I can't believe how many of your friends are buying it. I was like, I told you um, there's going to be a lot. And I, I myself have four. Um, you know, I have a, a, a very beautiful one that I, I wear when I'm in my suit and or I used to. And I wore one every fishing trip. And and it's 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 just crazy. Um, now I look at it and it's a really bad reminder of, of a time that I just don't, I don't know. I, I, 
I guess because it's so hard for me to come to peace with it, I literally now, instead of packing my Marine Corps time in a sea bag, I've tried to pack those dates or that deployment on a sea bag. Yeah. Um, because I don't know, maybe it's just, there's the, the certain little things that come with it, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people try to go through and, and not talk about anything. Um, and I've kind of, I don't know, I kind of go the opposite direction of a lot of people. Um, I, I figured out a while back that the more I talk about it, the more I tell their stories, basically, yes. the more at peace I felt. The, the better I felt, you know, you were talking about Weatherby earlier and uh, there's a story that I tell everybody uh, about him. So whenever I first checked into the battalion uh, in the alpha company, we were collecting um, uh, tap gear, right? The desert camis, desert blouse and all that. So we're over in supply and uh, here I am, uh, uh, you know, young PFC, he's walking around. I had no idea who he was. He didn't know me and they didn't have my size pants. Right. <laughs> Um, cause you know, being Thompson, I'm way at the end of the end of the line. So, um, you know, I'm looking for, is either pants or blouse, but either way, I think it was the shirts. So he came through and he had them the same size in his hand and he just gave them to me. He's like, he's like, here, Marine, you can have them. I said, oh no, sir, it's fine. I'll wait. And he's like, no, no. You know, he came at me with, look, I'm an officer. You're a private. I can afford to go buy my own. You can't. Yeah. Take these, take care of yourself. And, and that was really my first experience with him. So stories like that, when I get the chance to tell their story, you know, puck it, I get the chance to tell his story, you know, I, I will do it every time. Yep, I'll do it every here. time because it's it's stories I believe that need to be told. Same here. Um, I noticed here, you know, and one of the things you sent me, uh, you mentioned mentors, you know, I and, and, and for me, I think that's a huge, it's a huge piece because you can't go through this alone. But I think the most important thing about finding mentors is not finding some guy that's just successful making money and shit like that, but is finding somebody that you can relate to and, you know, has been in your position. Uh, the two mentors yeah. you have here, I, I know them too as well personally. Uh, one of them uh, I, I hold dear to my heart, you know, Garcia, uh, Max Garcia. I, I, I flew out there for his reunion in May of uh, May fifth of uh, two thousand seventeen, I think, or two thousand eighteen. I, I, I think it was yeah. seventeen. But uh, you know, I hold them clear, dear to my heart, because I earned my combat action ribbon with them. You know, that day right. that we we shot at people and stuff, and I earned my combat action with him that day. And and uh, I've seen him, you know, become a sergeant major in the Marine Corps, retire, and now he's a motivational speaker. And then you know, you mentioned Philip Miller, and you know that guy, you know turned around and became an officer, you know? Yep. So yeah, Phil was one of the most hardcore dudes that, that I knew. Uh, if you've ever seen the, the movie battle Los Angeles, I always say that guy, the guy reminds me of Phil, but, uh, you know, Phil was a, he was a Sergeant when I was a, a PFC. Um, I came in as a fresh boot. They had just come off a of UDP and, uh, you know, we had our times, but we kind of hit it off. Uh, I remember one, remember one day, you know, the, in the site housing, there's some expansion bolts at about $120 a piece. And uh, I'd got my ass chewed before for losing one. So I made sure that I was not going to lose it again. And uh, I went to put the site back in. I couldn't find the damn bolt. I was like, what in the hell? So Phil had me um, look for it by digging a big ass hole in the middle of the desert, you know, a big fighting hole. So when it was all said and done, I ended up finding that 
bolt locked in my toolbox, wrapped up in an MRE sleeve, so I wouldn't lose it, which I thought was ironic as hell. But uh, but yeah, you know, uh, me and Phil go way back. We go back to the first deployment. Uh, Max, you know, as you know, we we deployed together. As those two guys, uh, the reason I look up to them is because they have chewed our dirt, um, and not just got through it, but they've been ultra successful in what they're doing. Um, you know, Phil is a, he's a LDO captain now at the Albany base in Georgia. And like you said, you know, Max is a uh, retired SAR major. Uh, was actually our, our old battalion SAR major. Which yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, he kind of came back where he started. So, you know, he made a big full circle. It's just, there's something about those two guys, man, that just, they're a couple of notches above uh, pretty much everyone else when it comes to me. You know, I don't I don't look up to uh, sports heroes. I don't look up to celebrities. I don't look up to famous people. Those are the guys that, that I hold, you know, probably closest just because we've experienced the worst of the worst of everything together. And uh, to see how they've come up out of the out of the ashes and uh, been ultra successful. It's, you know, they're not the only ones. There's a few more, but, you know, that. Those are the ones that I wanted to mention. Yeah, these are the ones that are highlighted in your life because, and and and, I, these are the ones I believe that, you know how you said that have walked our path or we walked that path together, you know. Um, right. It, for instance, I, I know that I've talked to Max before, and um, you know he talks a lot about Meloat, you know. So it's we all cared about Meloat, you know, and. Right. So you see that in an individual, and yeah, you, it's it's good to look up to because I don't want to say we called it quits, you know. Um, I believe you and I would have been great lifers in the Marine Corps, but you and I decided to take a different path with our life, and I think it's so awesome to see an individual that I know struggled possibly like us, but yet made it all yeah. the way to Sergeant Major, and in, in, in Phil's case has now made it to Captain, you know. And and you know what I, what I love about those two is they don't – forget the struggle right i know max uh, specifically was always watching the young marines uh probably differently than most our majors would just because of his past experiences you know yeah what he's seeing right yep so i know now you you do some of the stuff that i like as well we're into uh you know you Goes into something that I mentioned, I believe, a couple episodes ago or maybe interviews. So here's what's going on, in the vid- ladies and gentlemen. I, In between my episodes that I release every Monday, I do, no lie, two to three interviews a week. So I get so lost on which one I aired, which one I didn't. Sometimes I think I aired them all in my head when yeah. I'm doing an interview. And I'm like, yeah, because you heard this already. And I'm like, wait a second, maybe I didn't release that one already. So, yeah. but I'm trying to create content and I'm... I'm getting confused here, so I just want to explain myself. So, But anyways, I did mention in one of the episodes, if you've heard it or not, that outdoors to me, being outside um, to me is is great. Uh, I really love the outdoors. Certain things, though, will connect me to being back to Iraq. Like there's some times where it's I'll go camping or, or I've been hunting and it's in the middle of the night and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you look up to the sky and that sky, that that dark black sky with the stars, it literally takes me back to to Iraq sometimes, you know? That's what I tell everybody that I'm, that's the only thing I miss there is the sky. Um, It was just so bright, the sky, because there was no city lights. But 
um, you like hunting and you like uh, fishing. So you've got into competitive fishing now, <clears throat> uh, competitive bass fishing. Yep. And um, you've brought in your, your son in with it as well. So yep. it's just to me, it's I, I tell everybody we, we, we end up becoming mirrored stories of each other. I don't know. I don't know if it's that we include our kids into these things to still have that uh, NCO feeling of that feeling of a platoon, that feeling of a team, uh, of watching over somebody, of mentoring somebody. It's almost written in our DNA that we have to do that. Right. Um, and and I and I see that with you. Have you ever thought of, I don't know, uh, maybe being more outspoken about it like you were doing now on my podcast? Like, have you ever thought of maybe when you're doing that competitive bass fishing talking about it over there, talking about that subject um, with these, with the younger generation or anything like that, or are you still holding it in? Talking about this? What yeah, we're talking, talking about, about stuff Absolutely. like this. Huh? Absolutely not, man. Absolutely this, not. This is very odd. Oh, no, I know. That's why I'm asking. Do this. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. You know, this maybe is you'll spark something. Everybody, everybody maybe you'll has spark something for later. I guarantee, I, I guarantee you, brother, that I that I probably we we probably just have because. Um, I think it's the word that everybody has used after one of these interviews or our interviews is that it's cathartic or something like that, where it just actually feels so good to talk about it. And like I, and like I try to do them. If you're not sitting here in my house, I've only done two person in person interviews here in my house. And you sit across from me at my dining room table, you have a mic, a headset, and we talk. But other than that, I, I do them on FaceTime on zoom so that we're facing each other. And it feels like we're talking to each other, you know? And, and like I had right. mentioned at the beginning of this interview, you and I have always been the same kind of uh, individuals, that rough guy. Uh, that you don't say, show, say anything or show anything, and we're both very direct, and, and that's it. And right. we've talking like that to each other. But yet, I remember when you came down uh, with your wife that time, we, we went to the Everglades and stuff. I hugged you. It was like I felt great. And now after this interview right now, we've been at it for 56 minutes. I actually kind of feel warm and tingly inside for you. Like, I feel... A brotherhood, like I feel, I don't know, I feel different about you. I see you smiling, you're comfortable, and stuff like that. So I hope, I hope that maybe this opens another door for you, because I'm gonna tell you right now, dude, it feels great to talk about it. I don't know how you feel right now, but we've been at it for 56 minutes, so that's technically almost an episode of what I do is about an hour. We, I want to go more on right. with you because I do want to talk about some stuff. Um, I, I do want to talk about because. You didn't stop having a family um, as you kept on with this, you know. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk how is it okay. being a father and dealing with this. Um, are you able to turn it off? I know I struggle a lot with it. Um, you have two boys and a girl, correct? Yes. So I only have two boys. I struggle a lot with it because they're boys. And I feel yeah. like I, I run them like Marines. Um, yep how it happens it happens but how do you how do you, how are you able to balance that um you know in case there's any other parents fathers listening mothers listening how you know I, I did a terrible job of that at first to be honest with you uh there wasn't there wasn't a lot of turning it off um i don't know man uh when my daughter was born that kind of changed that kind of changed me changed changed a lot about me um she made me soft. <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You need to have she a daughter. Made me soft. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just, I think there's a stigma. Uh, you know, it's probably going to sound 
Like I'm not the big bad tough guy anymore, but I think there's a stigma with boys in general, mm-hmm. right? They don't cry. They don't do this. You don't do that. You don't show them this. Show them that. You know, and I believe that. I believe that to a point, but I also, you know, I don't know. I think we can damage them young. Uh, um, I always told my boys, you know, don't be crying. Get down, do some push-ups or whatever. But the way that I interact with my daughter is completely different. And, you know, maybe maybe a lot can be said to, maybe a lot can be said to uh, do it both ways um, or do it, you know, with, with, with the boys too. But, um, no, I was terrible about turning it off. And, and like I said, once once my daughter was born, that kind of – things got weird for me. <laughs> things got weird for me because I never – I never pictured myself having a girl, but I wouldn't trade her for anything. And, you know, my, like I said before, man, my support system here uh, with my wife, I don't know how or why <laughs> she is stuck with me, but um, she, she has, you know, and, and it's not like I, it's not like cause I'm made of money and she's sticking around for a damn paycheck because it definitely ain't the case. But, uh, you know, that. Honestly, man, she's the one to, to to thank for everything. To be honest with you, and are you guys are you guys doing any any type of like uh, therapy together or no? She she just does no, this on her own. All. You know, mm-hmm. if she does research on her own and stuff like that, or well, so she's a nurse. Um, ah, so she's a yeah. She has she that had gene. a little bit of psych. She had a little bit of psych. Um, I guess clinicals or whatever. It, yeah, you know, but part I mean, of their- you just mentioned she's a nurse. She has that serving gene. So, I mean, there's something in her that I guess she realizes she understands that she needs to be in your life as well, possibly. Right. So we got together before I went in. So she knew the old me and, and she's kind of seen the transition between the old me to the me after the first deployment, the me after the second, and then the me after, you know, my quote unquote death out of the military. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. it's tough, you know, and, and she's, she's been there. She's seen each little step. And on the other hand, she's seen it kind of, she's walked down the stairs. Now we're walking back up. You yeah. know what I mean? So she's, she's been able to see it all the way around. Dude, Jody, I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. Like you did um, saying that you heard my, my first podcast, me talking and that it, uh, it resonated with you. I, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, dude, I, I remember I spoke about it to a friend of mine that day and I was like, man, I got a text message from a guy that, you know, like I said, had always been a rough, tough guy and just, I mean, type of guy that I'd always want to like want to hug and he'd be like, Hey, how you doing? Give me five. And like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it, it just, when somebody opens like that up with, with you, to me, it's, it means a lot. So I appreciate you reaching out to me and then even more so saying you wanted to talk on the show. Um, yeah. I definitely want to bring you back on again. Uh, would definitely, definitely, definitely want to bring you back on. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm thinking about doing a live um, sometime in September, possibly September 12th on that yeah. day. Um, I want to do a live where we could bring on a bunch of other guys that I served with and talk about these individuals the positive way. Um I, I just want to make sure that it's something everybody wants to do. Um, One of the worries I've had, and actually my wife brought it up to me, is I need to possibly talk to my therapist at the vet center and see how deep I can go into some of these conversations. Um, You see, I'm comfortable. I've 
I've talked about it. I know I definitely talked about it a couple episodes before where uh, there's a book from a Navy SEAL I, I got to meet called, uh, his name is Jimmy Hatch, and the book is called Touching the Dragon. Um, I feel that at this point in my life, I've already touched the dragon. I fucking grabbed it and I've ridden it. Like, I'm comfortable literally putting my arm around my demon and talking about it. Yeah. I just want to make sure other individuals are comfortable coming on my show on the show and talking about it like you, you know? So I appreciate that dude. Cause it takes a lot, bro. Um, it takes a lot. I, I saw you trying to hold back some tears. Your face got really red there a few times, <laughs> redder than what it normally is. And, uh, <laughs> but brother, I appreciate it, dude. It means the world to me. Um, I love you, man. I love your family. And I, I hope I could have you back on here soon. Absolutely, man. Anytime. And like I said, dude, I, I listened to that first one and, uh, it just, it hit a little different. You know, I don't know what I was expecting. Uh, I was taking an hour drive up the road. You know, I go take care of some business. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me check this out. And, you know, it kind of floored me. I was like, damn, dude, it, I don't know. It's strange. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, man, whatever you need, whatever you need. I, I appreciate the fact that you got this, you got this going. And uh, the fact that I listened to the first one, then I listened to the second one. Then I listened to the third one, and, and it's all kind of the same. I think the third one was um, the Dose guy, the, the, the freaking Jim. Andy? Whatever. Yeah, Andy, yeah, yeah. Andy, Andy, Andy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, his, uh, uh, yeah, his brother was with 3-8 Lima. Right. 3-8 uh, Lima did four four pumps, two to Iraq, two to Afghanistan. Got yep. two bronze stars with Vs, both of them with Vs, and then uh, took his own life by overdosing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. You know, we've we've lost a bunch of our own. You yep. know, whether it be whatever means, you know, so um, whatever you need, dude, whatever you need, I'll come back for whatever. Thank like you, like you said, man, I'm I've come to peace with 99 percent of, it. you know, there's nothing I can do to change it. Uh, would I like to? Hell yeah. But, you know, that was the point that that, that was the. Yeah, I pray to God that I, you had to get over. Like, I pray to God every day. <laughs> It sounds so fucked up. I pray to God every day that technology doesn't come up with some sort of time machine and stuff like that. Because I, at this point, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back and try to fix something. Right. Because what about if something else happens? Like exactly, I've already been dude. through so much pain with some of these guys, and and sometimes still do. That yep. yeah, I I just want to leave it where it is and live through their memories and stuff like that. Because I can't and see that's the struggle, man. Because because you live trying to go back or wanting to go back for the longest time. And then once you get over that hump, once you get over that hump, man, there's a lot of peace. Yes. You know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of peace. I don't, I don't know how else to, to describe it. And it takes years, man. It takes what? I mean, shit, guy, I got out. Of, yeah. I got Five, out six, in seven, eight years. I got out in 2006 and I didn't find my peace until really 2014, 2015. So yeah. Um, it takes years. And, you know, some of these guys come back and, and they act like they don't have a problem and maybe yep. they don't, maybe they're that. camouflaging it, but you know, it's just like your fingerprint, right? Everybody's different. Everybody deals with things different. It's like, I try to explain this shit to civilians. Now it's that, what you say though. It's, it's like a fingerprint. Everybody's different, but it's a finger. You still fucking feel it. That's what, that's the thing that you yeah. get what I'm saying. It, it might look different oh, on yeah. the outside, but on the inside, it's still the same shit, man. I, I, Right. I, I know some of these guys you're talking about that are nothing wrong with me. I'm like, all right, dude, nothing wrong yeah. with you. But every time I fucking see you, you got a drink in your hand or you're very angry or 
I mean, don't tell me nothing Bingo. wrong with you. You know what I'm saying? It's just that you don't want you don't want to look at that yep. mirror. You know, you walk by by it every single time. Um, so yeah, man. It's I hope my, you know it's not my job to judge them. What it's they not, do, how they deal with it. But, but I'll tell you what, this is what I created this show for, so that yep. individuals can maybe hopefully be in the car like you and not. not they don't got to come on my show. They don't even got to text me or right. anything. But you know what, man? Just feel that you're not alone, dude. Because our stories right. are so much alike. Whether you're that guy that wants to be angry or not. Our stories are a lot alike, man. What we're going through, the way we feel things, the way we see things, like how you said, yep. you were you were working at a at a at a yard where vehicles were coming in and, in and out, eighteen wheelers and the sound, and it was just it's you're on high alert all the time, and the you don't time. know how to turn yes. it off, you know. So, right. it, 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 I'm glad that my 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 couple my episodes have been able to help you, and I and I hope, or at least you related to them. And that, that was my goal, honestly. If I could just do one person, um, it was great. So now my next goal is if I could do one stranger, that somebody I don't know that I didn't serve with that feels the same way, man. If you can, yeah. if you're listening, hit me a message. I I, I would appreciate it because you're going to make me feel like a, like 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 gold. I'm still trying to find out who my listeners in South Africa are and in Australia. I think I know who Australia is, one of them. Yeah. But yeah. I have six listeners in Australia and six, okay. uh, five, five listeners in South Africa and one in Germany. Nice. So, and one that the, doesn't say what country it's from. So I'm, I'm guessing it's the international space station or I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody's <laughs> listening to me somewhere. Cool. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, I, I appreciate this. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Like I said, uh, we've had a relationship where even though you've come down and visited me, it really's never been, we've opened up like that to each other. And Justin, I think. But- 10 words in that text message you opened up a lot you know so uh brother i appreciate it i hope this episode helps out other individuals that are possibly feeling the same because i mean you've heard this 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 man was is not a purple heart recipient he didn't go out there and get shot up or anything like that so a lot of us can relate to you know just somebody that has gone through trauma and to go from hidden wanting, wounds, man. yeah, hidden, hidden wounds. wounds, but to go from wanting to ending it all to now being able, and we didn't even talk about it, but to be able to be a GM for, you know, the, the Corvette plant and you're, I mean, I, I forgot to even mention that. I mean, you, you went from that to being a GM for the Corvette plant out in uh, Louisville, right? Or in, in, in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, that's in Bowling Green. Kentucky. Sorry, in Bowling, yeah, in Bowling the, Green, uh, Kentucky. So I mean, you're the your manager yeah. plan, the logistics manager plan for for the Corvette assembly. Yep. So, yep. I mean, I want individuals to to be able to relate themselves to somebody like that, where they've been through this, they've they've talked about this, they have these feelings, and then look at that. I mean, you're not you don't have to be a motivational speaker either to go through this. You don't have to be this. You just honestly, I think at a certain point, got to look in the mirror. And look at yourself and look at what's behind you. What what's the, what are you carrying behind you? You know what I'm saying? Because exactly. you know, like when you take a picture in portrait, it's blurry. Yeah. And then, right. well, but you need to unblurry that and look to see what you're carrying in your pack. Because that's the problem with us. A lot of us look at the outside and we're like, yeah, right. but what are we actually carrying behind us? You know, every day. Right. So, you know, um, like I said, I appreciate it, brother. Um, we're going to do this again right now. So not right now, but we're going to do this again soon. And, yeah. uh, you know, just stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe. Give me a review. If you guys want to email me, uh, it's Ozzy, O-Z-Z-I-E, at posttraumaticsurvival.com. So hit us up. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed the show.
Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Post Traumatic Survival Podcast. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications from us as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show. We appreciate you and them. Until next time, survivors. <laughs>